Okay, hi everybody. Welcome to a special Prog Report podcast episode. We had so much fun doing our Ultimate 70s Prog Album podcast that we decided to do a second round and do an 80s Ultimate Album. Uh, At first, I think the idea of doing an 80s one seemed a little bit tricky, um, but turns out there's quite a few options and this thing could go in a hundred different directions. I don't really know. Um, we're bringing back some of the usual characters. We've switched it up a tiny bit for this one. So let's say hi to Jeff Bailey. Back hi again. everyone. Hello from Belfast. Victor is back. Once again. again. Hello everybody. Kyle. How you doing, man? Doing great from the birthplace of rock and roll in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm feeling okay. I feel like uh-huh. I need a better <laughs> intro than I normally have. So there uh-huh. you go. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And uh, and so we have swapped out uh, the '70s prog uh, guest Daniel, who uh, was incredibly not born in not born yet during this <laughs> decade. So we've brought somebody who's a little bit more familiar with the decade, and that's our good friend Prog Nick. Hello, everybody from Johannesburg in South Africa. Okay. But if Daniel wasn't born for the for the '80s, <laughs> well. I know where he's going. Yes, but, oh, but, but none of us none of us had any credibility for the 70s, so we yeah, went okay. with that one. Uh, <laughs> we left the, the the only the only one that would have credibility. The only one <laughs> did not do it. So anyway. That was I was born so, in the 70s. Um, <laughs> so uh yeah so this one should be a lot of fun we don't really know where we're gonna go if if everybody remembers the the concept was um we all go around and we each pick a song uh, till we get to 15 uh, and we you know, no duplicates and no rules and we pick whatever it is so we'll see where it goes um but i also want to bring back a, a quick mention on the prog from home concert that we put out uh as we're recording this it was put out on may 9th and uh you know an amazing response thank you to everybody that watched it that checked it out you know guys we didn't get a chance to really talk about it and it was there was no sense in doing a real podcast or anything but I just wanted to get your guys thoughts on on it and um you know Jeff myself and and Daniel uh you know had the the large part of putting this thing together but I want to get some thoughts from the, from the rest of you on this too you know what you thought about it and any questions or thoughts My thought was it was a perfect mix between songs that were established and familiar and great to be watched perform or performed in some way shape or form and it was also great to hear the feedback and and all the comments and everything else as to hey i gotta check this guy out i gotta check that one out this is a great band what else do they have uh it seemed to really have landed uh a lot of people on artists that they were not necessarily familiar with or maybe they heard of them but once you see them and tangibly do that i thought that was awesome what was overwhelming with 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 the concert for me was the was the sense of community, just the sense yeah, of belonging great. and and brotherhood and sisterhood and and family that that I you know there was just this warm feeling throughout the whole thing, uh, you know you couldn't keep up with the messages on YouTube it was just impossible, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you know eventually I, 
I gave up, but that feeling of community never went away. Even when I uh, I watched the recording afterwards, it was just a, just an amazing feeling. So congrats to all involved. Yeah, I, I think for me it was the fact that three hours flew by, and I don't yeah. usually get the opportunity to spend an afternoon just sitting and enjoying something. It also had the feeling of the cruises, which is this mixture of the, the sort of the camaraderie that is the prog rock community now mixed with the bands that you love and then the bands that you don't quite yet know. And so while not every song was like my favorite, it was cool to have that just huge variety of things. And uh, I, of course, love seeing, you know, like Mike do something with his his daughter and something unexpected. I, I love the surprises of it all. And so, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. I think that that's what was special for me was, you know, we were asking the artists to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we really didn't tell any of them what to do at all. They, you know, the ones that did covers, they picked covers. You know, and the ones that did uh, interesting versions of their own songs, that was their choice. And and I think letting that sort of resolve itself is what made it work. Um, you know, because it brought authenticity to it and everything. And I thought that was really cool. You could see genuine interest and and quality in the performances. Um, I mean, and again, take, take, watching take John Mitchell's video as an example. I mean, that that would never have happened in a live concert. Right. So no, th- it blew me away. I mean, we had no idea what he was going to do. Right, and right. he just, the, the, you know, the, the was beauty awesome. was this format allowed for a whole new type of creativity, which yeah. I think was, was wonderful. I think having, having been involved in, in helping the guys organize it, one of the things that really struck me was just the willingness of people to just take the idea and go for it. Um, yeah. You know, and, I mean, in term, I mean, some of the, some of the bands, you know, they they've already, you know, maybe done the, these podcasts with us, or we've interviewed them, and they kind of know quite a lot of them. Certainly, some of the British people that I was um, contacting, you know, had had never been featured by our website, and so you could just very easily have said no thanks, and, and instead, you know, you had Magenta doing a you know, multi-screen with the full band. Um, you had Peter Jones with a drone filming him and, and my sort of slightly cheeky suggestion of, of maybe doing Firth of Fifth, which he alluded to um, at the start and the end of his performance. Hey, somebody mentioned uh, the, the live chat. That was insane because you had a lot of artists in there. Uh, Mike was in there. Rio was in there. A bunch of the guys were in there chatting along and it was flying by so... at. A, at such a fast rate, you could not read them. And we had, a, at one point, over six, 6,500 people, I think, at one time watching. And I don't know what a big number is or not. I, I We had no expectation. So it could have been 200 people watching it. I would have been like, that's great. <laughs> so I don't think anyone would have expected 6,500. That That's an enormous number to watch concurrently. Yeah. So No, and promoted planned in two weeks and promoted only over a week so Mm. um a lot of the performances for people that that saw them something like what john mitchell did or what mike did those performances were made and sent to us in less than a week it's crazy yeah and so that's just the talent that these guys possess so again thank you to all the artists and everybody that watched and you know we hope more people get to see it because it's uh i think it's i think it came out really great i'm really really proud of this crew for for putting it out uh all right should we get started with our thing all right um again we're just gonna pick songs that we think 
or feel define the 80s prog scene? That may not be things that are complicated or 20-minute songs. It could be uh, all sorts of different directions. We don't really know. But what I want to do is I want to go first. Last time I went last each round, so I want to go first this time around. The order, uh, just so you guys know, here's what I thought we would do. Uh, Myself, then Kyle, you'll be second. Uh, Nick, you'll be third. Victor, you'll be fourth. And then we're going to put Jeff at the end so that he can surprise us. (laughs) <laughs> with his crazy picks with to wrap it up. It's fine by me. <laughs> That's a, he's he's tailor-made for that spot. May mix it up a little bit. Uh, all right. So with my first pick, um, here we go, eh? With my f- <laughs> Charge! <laughs> That's new. That's a baseball uh, reference, Jeff. That's yeah. a baseball reference. What's, cricket. what's baseball? Kind of, Kind of like cricket. All right, so I'm going to go – all right, so there's there's a band that defines 70s prog that is is one of those bands that continued on in the 80s that evolved into a more of a pop band um, but is, is just my, one of my, if not my all-time favorite band. And there was a hundred different ways I could go with this band. Um, but I – after doing a bunch of research, I, I narrowed it down to about ten songs from them that I thought I could that I could go with, and the one that just still makes my the the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and makes me get all just juiced up and everything is still Mama from Genesis. So that's my first pick mm-hmm. off of the self titled '83 uh, album. Yeah, and I don't know if this is quote unquote ultimate prog or not but it is for me i don't know of another band that could have made a song like this um i think it's phil collins all time and his entire career best vocal and uh the drum sound and the keyboard sound of it i think sort of defines the 80s frankly um and i just think the uniqueness of it and the energy behind it is so cool and it's a great opener uh they used to open their their tour with it um and it's still just there's there's the 70s Genesis, which is its own thing, but for the 80s era, this is by far and away my favorite song that they did. So, Mama. I'm a massive Genesis fan. I got into Genesis in the 1980s, and I and I love that track. I and I wouldn't argue its place in here. I think Genesis did progier things in the 80s. They did tracks that were probably, um, you know, more in the vein of what we might call prog. But you know, Mama is not a standard, um, you know, verse chorus verse chorus type song. It's a brilliant um thing on one of their archive sets where they have the the working tape which is really about it's about 15 or 16 minutes of just the drum machine riff the keyboard riffs and them improvising over it and that's you know that's how they write this stuff um and you know which is obviously a very very different sound from you know something like further fifth you know based around something that 
Tony Banks would have written on a on a piano. So it's a brilliant example of how they reinvented the way they work for the 1980s. So, you know, it gets a tick from me for being in here for sure. It's not the track out of those albums I would have picked myself, but yeah. Yeah, well, we may get good. we may get another one, but uh but yeah, that's where I that's where I think it fills the prog kind of position for me is that it's it different. It's different and interesting. And it shows them actually in that progression of, you know, where they were leaving the the seventies sound and you yeah. know where where eventually they ended up. So, uh, all right, uh, cool, Kyle, you're going to be next. All right, well, thanks for letting me go second. Uh, it allows me to go with one of the obvious bands here, I think, and I'm actually going to go towards the end of the decade with my first pick because I really feel like this should be the pick from this band and maybe there will be multiples and I may be upsetting Vic and Nick here but hey such is life so I'm actually going to go with Queensryche um, and what's funny about Queensryche is I remember going to <laughs> just got a middle finger from someone who will remain unnamed um, Thank you. but my mem- my first memory of Queensryche is actually at a pizza place in Jonesboro Arkansas as like a 12 year old and there was one of these machines you put a quarter in and you would get a sticker of a band and I, of course, wanted, you know, Metallica or ACDC or, you know, one of those kind of Motley Crue or whatever it was, these bands that I knew because my brother was old. He listened to that kind of music. I was born in 1984, by the way. And the sticker I got instead was Queensryche. And I was like, I couldn't even pronounce Queensryche. I was like, what is Queensryche? Um, but the first Queensryche album I listened to was Operation Mindcrime. And I think it belongs on this list for obvious reasons, but it belongs on this list because it, in my opinion, is the first major work. Uh, under the genre of progressive metal so there's some other bands that might show up uh, on this list later and there were some albums that preceded this but i think this is really the turning point a real crossover successful album that is truly progressive metal um and the song that i'm selecting is sweet sister mary Um, this is the 10 minute epic that ends side one of what is a classic concept album in operation mindcrime to me, this song, it has it all. It's not maybe the catchiest song. There's some other songs on that album that I, you know, maybe drawn to, but it's, in terms of progressive rock, this is a song that, that fits that to me. Um, I think this is also Jeff Tate's peak as a singer. Maybe you could say it's Empire, but I, to me, it's this. Um, and I also love Scott Rockenfeld's drumming on this. He's got this huge, intricate, and deliberate drum sound that is really just only him. Uh, we also get the rare prog metal duet. You know, you, you don't hear that every day. Uh, with Pamela Moore on vocals. And of course, in the song, it's it's very layered, very dense. There's voice acting, sound effects, lots of musical changes and dynamic shifts. And then, of course, the distinctive guitar sound that I think is maybe the most characteristic thing about Queensryche from DeGarmo and Wilton. Um, and then there's a choir. It's just a huge song, great song. So, Sweet Sister Mary, that's my favorite. Kyle, that's I can't argue with that pick. And I love that pick. I love Good. the fact. Love the fact that Queensrÿche gets the mention this early on, and um, yeah. you know, it, it's well documented how a band like Dream Theater credits you know Queensrÿche and you know and Fate's Warning for really pioneering that that prog metal 
sound and an operation mind crime is you know itself as an album i mean it's to pick one song out of there i you know i almost wish you could cheat and say you know pick the whole album kind of like what you did in the 70s i thought, with, yeah, I with thought that was Cal- <laughs> <laughs> well i i always felt like eyes of a stranger is kind of the definitive song from this so were you struggling between i was split between those two yeah uh, yeah I, I'll, send I went with you, the- I'll send you a screen sh- a screenshot roy i've i've got here eyes of a stranger stroke sweet sister mary queen's right right to me to me this one gets gets the win simply because of the length of the song and the yeah. fact that it combines all the different elements that make that uh, like a rock opera concept album um it also in terms of the story it's a real turning point in the story uh, in deciding not to kill Mary and all that kind of stuff. So, I, I right. mean, pick pick any tune off that album, basically. That's no, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that album definitely belongs. Uh, it's it's just an all timer. So no arguments there with that pick at all. I'm still um, still going. I saw Jeff Tate maybe la- maybe the year before last. You know, he yeah. he he was still touring that, and uh, it was brilliant um, to hear that still being played today. Yeah, he actually yeah. does the duet with his daughter, or has done that before, right. which is yeah. cool. That's what he did when yeah. I saw him. Yeah. All right, Nick, cool. your pick. Well, let me just say that I'm I'm glad Carl made that pick because uh yes, he did take take that one from me, but um <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad it's made it to the list and <laughs> I had difficulty between those two songs. But my pick, um perhaps viewed through a personal lens, pardon the pun, um, for me is the moment when Prog really made a resurgence in the 80s and, and the moment when my favorite band were back. And uh, again, I'm, pro- I'm possibly viewing it through, through personal eyes, but the song is Leave It by Yes from the album 90125 in 1983. Um, uh-huh. And the reason why I've picked that particular song is because that moment, you know, after cinema and the whole introduction to 90125 and... Um, the great mystery as to whether my favorite band, Yes, were ever going to return and in what guise or form they would return. You know, after cinema and then all of a sudden those massive a cappella vocals come in, um, reintroducing Yes as as we know and love them, but also in a new form. And for me, it had a, had a personal slant that particular moment because not only was my favorite band back, with a vengeance, but they were back with this young South African rock star uh, driving driving the journey and 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 bringing them back. So the song itself might not be my all time favorite Yes song, but it's highly symbolic and important to me, and heralded a new era of new possibility in prog. Not only for Yes, who were my favorite band at, at the time and have and had been for many years, but also for the resurgence of progressive rock in the 80s. I think it was a pivotal moment, a fabulous song. And so, yeah, my, my, my first pick is Leave It By Yes. No phone, take your place, you know what I mean. We have the same I mean, I'm not surprised something from that album, but that that's of all the songs I would, you know, I, I love that song. I don't know if 
I would have gone with that one or one of the other ones, but well, think about that. I can't argue with it. I love that song. When you heard first heard those those big vocals at the beginning of the song, yeah, didn't that didn't that moment strike a chord with you? Yeah, absolutely. I remember the video and everything. John Anderson's voice jumps out at you at that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's and, what separates that. And of course, he only sings the second verse. Trevor Rabin sings the first verse, <laughs> which made it all the more fantastical to me. You know, the first the first time I ever heard that song was um, a late night TV broadcast of one of the shows from the nine one two five tour, um, which I think is like was maybe the nine one two live video. And the show started, I had listened to some Yes, um, but not 90125 before. And I saw this was on and thought, I think I maybe even video recorded it because it was on like at midnight or something like this. And um, it the, it begins, the show begins with cinema, the instrumental, but that was kind of done over like these kind of, um, this kind of old film footage. And then that start came in. And actually, the, the that concert version of that, and I mean, I'm sure they probably had a lot of help from backing tapes and stuff like that for some of the layered vocals and stuff, but it's just inc- incredible. And um, I, I mean, I think it's it, it's a really really bold choice, but again, I, I think probably it fits a bit a bit with the choice of Mama from Genesis in that it's a band doing something in a completely different way. And and the other thing I would say about this, and again, I'm very happy for people to argue with me about it but obviously you know in the 1980s a lot of the focus of attention on music was kind of on the producer um and you know ultimately you know trevor horn um you know probably not as well known across america but i mean i think in the uk he he's he's been doing some stuff recently promoting an album of his and he's been described as the man who invented the 80s you know, and from a, from a UK musical scene with Frankie Goes to Hollywood on ABC and bands like Dollar who aren't prog, he certainly defined an awful lot of what British um, 1980s music. Uh, and I think the record involved. label that, that Trevor founded, YYZ or YYZ, depending which side of the pond you're on. ZZT. That's the Rush song you're thinking of. Sorry, I'm thinking of the Rush song. Was ZZT? I mean, or ZZT? Depending on ZZTT. Yeah, that that label came to came to personify Eddie's music, really. With Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good choice. Bold choice. Yeah, bold but very cool. Yeah, we're off to again. Not knowing how these podcasts go, I mean, we got Mama into Sweet Sister Mary into Leave It. So <laughs> now there you go. Now somebody's gonna know this. Um, Leave It. What struck me about that song? I remember uh, in the MTV days, mm. I would never hear the same version of that song. There were many different versions of that song. There was one song that was fully acapella. Then you had the full-on what's on. Yeah, they had a few different videos. I think they right? made, they made like something like 15 different videos for it. Yeah. Just to mix it up. <laughs> I was trying to remember. I think you talked about that in one of your Yes uh, Years yeah. podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, I think we did. So that was – that is Speaking that is... of uh, Victor, what's your pick for your, <laughs> your uh, choice? Well – you want um, us to you want us to leave it with that last selection, okay? Yeah, there you go. Well, actually, uh, it was it was kind of uh, when, when I was thinking of this band. Obviously, this band uh, belongs on this list hands down. This band actually was very prolific in the '80s, uh, coming up with quite a few albums uh, and really varying in their style from the early on in the decade through the 
through the end through to the end and uh, of course i'm talking about the band rush and uh you know the song that i there are several songs if i was to pick an 80s song that i would say okay this this is a song that i hang my hat on and and rush has the the radio hits rush has the proggy hits um and they they really change their style from you know a, a classic more classic proggy raw sound and then you know going into the synthesizer type of sound so i'm picking a song out of uh, out of moving pictures i actually um uh in discussion and i'll discuss this in a little bit but i'm gonna go with the accidentally aforementioned yyz oh mm. <laughs> okay cool <laughs> So I could have made a uh, our good friend Daniel very happy because the <laughs> other song that was on the list is a very proggy song because it's a longer song and it's got many different themes. And I know that some people are going to give it a hefty thumbs down on this. Uh, but no, YY, YYZ, as we say in the States, um, you know, it, when you listen to first of all, it's an instrumental. I have a soft spot for instrumental songs. And just the complexity of the drums, and then just the the skills of of the chops of the bass and the guitar, and they just go crazy. And uh, you know, with such a to quote a good friend of mine, a quintessential technical <laughs> prog song. You gotta pay. You gotta pay the toll to use that word. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Put it in my tab. Vic, Vic, it's a Copy. it's a great choice because that that is a unique song. It really is unique, and I don't use the word lightly. Because you know how how the time signature was written, um, the guys were yes airport. It's yeah. the uh, they were riding on a plane and they heard the the Morse code for the airport. I think Toronto well, well, the Morse code isn't it YYZ? Yeah, that's right. And Neil Pert um, knew Morse code. You know, just being the eccentric that he was, he knew Morse code, and he happened to know as they were landing at Toronto Pearson Airport, he happened to know that the Morse code for the letters Y, Y, Z were that now well-known time signature. And he literally wrote a song around the Morse code tap for Y, Y, Z. That's so cool. So, you know, that's, that's a unique story. It's never happened before or since. And that's why I agree with you. That song deserves to be on the list. There's nothing more prog as far as being inspired by Morse code. An entire <laughs> instrumental song. That's terrific. Right. Yeah. It's, ter it's great. No, I mean, look, I'm I'm glad. I, I I was hoping something for Moving Pictures is on this list. I think it belongs. You could go any number of songs, so I think this is as good a choice as as you can make. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. And and yeah, first four songs are are all. Well, so really home runs, I think. Keep in mind, on the '70s list, we had uh, La Via Strangiato. So now we're we're in keeping with Rush instrumentals making this, and I, I think it's safe to say that YYZ. It's I wouldn't say it's probably the best known instrumental of all time, but certainly the best known prog instrumental of all time. Probably like Rock and Roll Part Two or something is 
you know, uh, you know. I mean, if you were going to make a top ten instrumentals of all time, I yeah, it's on. Argue there. this is on there probably, yeah. right? Did, um, yeah. Quick question: I, I would have to listen to the podcast again when uh, Jordan Rudis and John Petrucci did the uh, instrumentals. Was YYZ one of them? It was on my list. It, okay. And and Petrucci had picked uh, Livia Strangiato for his. You'd think it'd have to be. I remember as an 18-year-old, this is the only Rush song I've ever had You know, the gusto to try and cover and uh, having to borrow some roto-toms so I could try to pull off the uh, the drum fill there. And as poorly as I pulled it off. We also started it way too fast. I don't recommend that when trying to do a <laughs> Rush cover song. So. Yeah, got, we, we got it done by a number of garage bands. Ooh, it's rough. We got it done quicker, which is probably good for the audience. But uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, Jeff, you're rounding out the first first side here. Okay. Um, uh, on the one hand, uh, you guys have have made it easier for me because I, I kind of I had this dilemma of you know highlighting the best of Prague in the '80s while not sort of making it a list of um you know 70s prog bands that we kind of covered last time and what they did in this decade and we obviously have some some new blood in there um in terms of Queensryche and I guess you know people taking you know like yes and Genesis taking a very different approach and and progressing still um you could say well you're going to be a hypocrite by making this choice but I think it's fair to say that um while uh unlike genesis uh most of yes and rush the band had these bands had the same members of the 70s my, my choice is by a band originally called discipline um which became the title of their first 1981 album uh whenever they reclaimed the name of king crimson and uh the track i've picked from that and there are many um but the trick the track i've picked is frame by frame and obviously the history of this one comes to um robert fripp having a number of years as a producer a session player deciding he wanted to get back into a band format um bill bruford's um amazing um but not massively commercially successful bruford band coming to an end um robert meeting the adrian blue guitar player he brought him on tour um to support uh one of his projects in between and linked up with him and the, the final link um tony levin who amazingly they wanted in the band but decided he'll probably be too busy and after three days of bass player additions a message came through from tony levin saying um but what, what about me and that put together that lineup, which stayed together for about um, three or four years. Made three great albums. Um, and and the thing about this is that between Discipline in 1981 and Red, the last kind of originally or a King Crimson album, you know, you would not know listening back to back that that this was the same band because the music was completely reinvented. Um, Adrian Belew's just incredible experimental guitar style um complementing with Fripp they worked out their sort of signature twin guitar uh interlocking thing and again one of the one of the brilliant brilliantly proggy moments in this is that main kind of guitar riff where they start off playing the same thing 
and then one of them starts playing it in a slightly different time timing which then catches up after they've done a few repeats of it um but again this has everything from electronic percussion to tony levin on the um chapman stick and all of those elements that made this um one of the brilliant 1980s prog bands Jeff, I have a question for you. Have you heard the yes. ukulele version? <laughs> I have, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Where, where Nick DeVigilio's I'm... ukulele band um, on Cruise to the Edge last year um, played it, was... and Adrian Ballou got up and sang it. It was such yeah. a special moment. I cannot tell you. I think they yeah, did. Very do, cool. Didn't they do it? At, yeah. I think they did it at Morse. Oh, um, yes, they may have done it. They no. may have done it at Morse. And more, they did not do it at Morse Fest. I don't no. think they did. But they got Bill no. up to sing it, they did and not. it was it was just a, a fantastic moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when it's yeah. it it was so cool. Those guys in Unique just have absolute total chops. And how to play that stuff on ukuleles where your fingers are all cramped up together—that's very impressive. But seeing that video was so cool. Uh, and of course, when Baloo is singing, you know, that just makes it. That's a great choice. Uh, definitely was expecting it to be here. And so uh, you came through, Jeff. Yeah, yeah man. I always do. Yeah, solid choice. You got to have, um, have Crimson. I, I, I guess I would just say that to me, it is a piece of 80s prog that has to be represented because it, it occupies its own unique space. And it is, in a lot of ways, the... the proliferation of all the experimentation that had been done with Brian Eno and other artists, mm. Dave Bowie and so on and so forth. And it kind of burst out as King Crimson, not personally my favorite group of eighties prog, but it, it is a thing that has to be, you know, if you're cataloging and that's what we're doing here, it's got to be included. And it also uh, gave rise to so much, you know, art rock and experimental rock. And um, you know, it's, it's sort of the, the genesis of a lot of that sort of music. No pun intended. All right, so all right, we're going to start the next round. I'm For so excited because my, my choice wasn't picked, and I think this is a cool choice, and I love this song, and I love this album a lot, uh, and I don't think you guys would expect me to pick this, but... Um, oh, no. So <laughs> this band is is sort of an offshoot of a, of a major 70s uh, group. They did one album in 1986. Jeff, any guesses? An offshoot of a major 70s band that did one album and night. Mike and the Mechanics? Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be... Uh, I'm, right, so I'm going... Is it, is I'm it, going, is it uh, Anderson, Wakeman? ABWA. Uh, no, but that was, that's a good one, but no. Uh, that was uh, so I'm going, I'm going with uh, Emerson, Lake, uh, and Powell. Uh, oh, no. Obscure choice, man. Oh, that, that's, that's not obscure. I have that on my list. And Touch and Go. Which oh, is... You're killing me. My really? You had that? I had that. I had nice. that. Nice. Here. Oh, very cool. Nice. Um, love that album. It's such a great, such a great album. Uh, I could have gone a few different ways, but I thought I'd go with this one because it's really just such a signature Keith Emerson bit. I mean, it's just so cool. Uh, 
I love that solo. I had a big sort of period in there with that out and Asia out. I was like really heavy into like synth keyboards and I wanted that Yamaha, you know, YX7 keyboard or whatever that you used to see in all the videos. Um, but uh, yeah, I just love this song. The production and Powell's drumming on it is is awesome. An amazing drummer um, who passed away a few years ago. Uh, yeah, cool. I'm surprised you guys had that. I thought I had. I thought I might have snuck one in there, but very cool. Believing you nothing, nowhere to go. Just put you in the corner like an old banjo. The strings are breaking, but you can't say no. You're running with the devil. It's touching go. It's an interest. I mean, I actually was listening to it this morning. It's an interesting album in a whole really? lot, of, a whole lot of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I had I, it was on my long list, and, and I I was just playing through um, the ten or twelve that I picked, that I picked. But I mean, the interesting thing. I mean, obviously, this was the musical chairs era of prog, and um, with Asia, with Yes, with different people coming in, with Carl Palmer being out, with Cozy Paul being being brought in. I assume you know that their first choice wasn't Cozy Paul, was Simon Phillips. Oh wow! I, and uh, I did not know that. And uh, and and he couldn't make it, so they found someone else whose name started with a P. <laughs> I was gonna say, but I that was, was a requirement. Was, yeah. was Jeff Picaro not available? I guess. <laughs> but but that I remember. I had that album on cassette. It was the first time I'd never even heard Emerson, Lake, and Palmer up to that point. You hadn't and heard them. That that album. You heard Emerson, Lake, and Powell first. No. Really? I did. That wow. is correct. That is absolutely correct. Same wow, here. Oh really? Same here. And, um, you guys are young. Yeah, yes. yeah, indeed. And uh, but the, but that whole album is really really good, and it's not available. You know, it's not on iTunes. It's not on Apple Music. It's not. It on Spotify. isn't. You're right. I sure I remember looking a, for on, it. It's on not anything at all. Um, and it's and even, you know, the the it's it's amazing that it's out of print because I think it's a really really solid album, and I think it's better than anything that ELP did. When they reformed later on after that, and in fact, they actually what redid you're saying, that. Jeff, redid is that, that you hate song. Love Beach. <laughs> no, Love Beach was be- Love Beach was before was it? it. I, I don't. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I'm not a. Fan. Uh, no, the score is a great song. Score, Learning to Fly. The Love whole, Blind is killer. The whole album. Um, yeah, that's really great good. stuff. I'm, I'm and, yeah, yeah. I have the original. I have the original vinyl. And it I'm ends with a version of, of Mars. It ends with a version of Mars, <laughs> Mars Bringer of War, the host classical piece, which is you know done in in kind of their picture, pictures on an exhibition style. Uh, so and, and that's so I mean that song they pretty much like they re-recorded it, touch and go, three or four times I think on like box sets on, on other albums. They dropped the keyway down as well, um, but that original version of that is killer track. So I'm delighted. I always remember the lyric. Uh, I always remember the lyric where he says, uh, uh, "No, no, Paddock Philippe." Yeah. And for de- I, 20 years, I didn't know what that was. <laughs> so I finally saw a commercial for a watch, and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> that's the so that's the lyric and the touch and go." So you know, um, I get a little trivia. This this song because I was in preparing for this as I like to do. I, I did listen to this mm-hmm. song, um, and this song actually appears on the soundtrack of a classic 2010 movie do you know the movie 2010 movie um, i do not I I do, yeah it's, um is it uh 
because it was the only the only reason that that's the only track that's on Spotify, Apple Music. Is it MacGyver or something? Close. It's MacGruber. Uh, yeah, the classic. Okay. It's it in MacGruber. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. It, 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 and, and so, <laughs> wow. it, it it felt that keyboard that synth is pretty eighties, man. That's that's it's pretty yeah. it's pretty out there, you know. Good stuff, but it fits on MacGruber, I think. You know, that's All funny. Right. Sorry. All right. Uh, yeah. Seg- segwaying into your pick, Kyle. <laughs> uh, it may be a little bit. Um, so we'll keep it around sort of the same era Era here. A band that has not been picked yet that I suspected would have been picked. And that in your lead up, Roy, I thought for sure you're going with this band. As you said, it was one you wouldn't suspect from you. Um, but it is the band Marillion. And of course, I think there's an I know you wouldn't maybe suspect what? it from me either. You and <laughs> Jeff have changed places. After after oh. all you've said over many years, you picked Marillion. You have misled us. No, I look. You know, so I I am I am a student as Jeff, much. Yeah, Jeff, you should have just thrown your papers up in the air. Is this the right now? As we... <laughs> <laughs> This is the point where Kyle would be typing ZZZ normally <laughs> when I mention Marillion. But please yeah. go ahead. I'm, I'm, no, no, really, no. I'm really intrigued to hear this. Go for so, it. Is this so, being recorded? Oh, yeah. It's a podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So here, up, here, everybody. here is the thing. All right. So Marillion is not typically my favorite band. Mm-hmm. However, and, and I've said this before, you just haven't listened, is I really do like um, aspects of the fish era of Marillion. And so I've not been able to get into the other albums and, you know, so on and so forth. But I also, in preparing for Cruise to the Edge, uh, doing Late Night Live, uh, I selected to be on two songs. And I'm, I'm going to cheat here a little bit, Jeff, and I'm going to combine two songs. Um, and I love these two songs, and I love this album. And it's from 1987's Clutching at Straws, and it is Warm Wet Circles and That Time of the Night. Okay, so they're, they're two separate songs on the track listing, uh, but they're combined thematically for sure. I see a lot of excitement in the eyes of you as you're writing down the songs. Um, but I think they're fantastic songs, and I love them. And uh, at the end of uh, that time of the night, the refrain of Warm Wet Circles comes back in real triumphantly. Um, I wanted to pick this because I, I suspect that we'll get something else from Marillion later. Um, but this marks the end of the Fish era, um, and they, they did have another album in the 80s, Season's End. Uh, but to me, clutching it, uh, at straws is the pinnacle of their 80s output. I think it sounds the best. Um, so I wanted a song from there. Um, it is a concept album. And the reason I like it is because it mirrors what Fish was going through at the time. Kind of disillusioned with touring life, partying a lot. And so the character Torch is sort of, in a sense, autobiographical. And so in these songs, he's, he's in a bar and he's looking at people as they find warm, wet circles and different things. And I know that title is a little problematic, but I like the poetry in the lyrics. And I just love the drumming in the song. It's all very um, intentional and meticulous, and it's well thought out. So sort of like Neil Peart's drumming is, and that's Ian Mosley that drums uh, for Marillion, of course. But I just love the mood of, of these two songs together. I think it's brilliant. It's right at about 10 minutes. Uh, so that's, that's my pick. Maybe unexpected, but I think that's okay. Unexpected for you, unexpected for you, but I mean, we expected this album to be featured, I think, so. 
at least I did. I'll step to the forefront here and say that out of never heard all of the picks that we've had so far, this is the first one that I don't have on my list. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me so, say well to done. you, Kyle, that yeah. it yeah. was my next pick. <laughs> ah, <laughs> really? No, really? Okay. So, okay. Man, I'm sorry, Nick. This, uh, no, wait, this, yeah, this exact warm, song? Warm Wet Circles was my next pick. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I, I, is it is it fair to include that time of the night with it? Is that fair? I would include uh, hotel, hotel hobbies, hobbies as well. I see that that whole thing that whole yeah. thing is one track, yeah. the whole way through. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't break from hotel hobbies right through to the end. So I'd give yeah. you those three as one, and it was on my Jeff. It, do you uh, are you uh, agreeing with this pick? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it was it was on it was one of two in my list, and I I I, I chose an earlier Merlion track just I suppose because. Um, of that being the sort of the the on my list if i'd been if i if i'd been picking it i probably would have picked a slightly earlier one just in terms of um going through but that was my i had, I had three merlin choices and that was it's, that was definitely it, one of them it's it's, sure. it's a brilliant right, example cool. of steve steve rothery just coming to the fore with that with that guitar riff that the song is based on and then the solo that he plays is just magnificent um yeah so so yeah Okay, that kind of places me in a quandary now. Right. So I'm busily scrolling through my list here. <laughs> what, was Jeff, what was Jeff going to say? No, I was, I was. One of the things that I again, the simplicity of Steve Rollery's guitar playing, that that, that melodic, you know, the, it's so melodic. You know, it's actually, you know, it's it's not shred guitar playing, but it it packs a real emotional punch. And um, I mean, the words on on that. Uh, Particularly to you know, um, you know, in that whole album and Sugar Mice as well. You know, lyrically it is very, very. Uh, I mean, it's brilliant writing. It's brilliant writing. And you know, when 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 Fish left, they did something different, and you know, that's okay too. Yeah, I just I like the sort of the Peter Gabriel approach, and I like the the spacing of those songs, and um, and maybe I'm just guilty of not giving enough time to the 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 new era, but. That's the one I'm most well, connected with. I congratulate with, so. you for the choice, Kyle, because been, a lot of people the... would have gone for a song from Misplaced Childhood. But in my opinion, Clutching at Straws. Well, I sort there. of suspect we'll, yeah, we'll, get sure we'll get one. Yeah, but Clutching yeah. at Straws is, is a classic. It's a masterpiece from beginning to end. All right, oh, well, now I'm in a complete quandary, man. Now I'm busy scrolling through my list here trying to find one. I've already put a yes in, so, <laughs> you know. Um, I guess I'm going to be compelled to go off script here and i think i'm gonna go because of what kyle has now done to me i think i'm gonna go with a jethro toll number uh black sunday from the album a in 1980 released in 1980 now this might be a, a bit of an obscure pick but i, I I've, I've put this song on on my list for a reason for several reasons um the album a is very underestimated by a lot of people. A lot of people thought that that Tull were going electronic and uh, there was too much keyboard on it and too much programmed um, uh, material. But actually, when you get under the skin of the album as a whole, and not just the song Black Sunday, um, it's prog to its core and it's extremely complex material. The drumming was by the legendary Mark Craney, um, and this is the only Jethro Tull album that features the talents of Eddie Jobson on keyboard. 
Um, it's a fantastic mm-hmm. album from beginning to end, and I think Black Sunday is very is very representative of of uh, the album and its excellence. And so, not having Marillion at my disposal anymore, I'm going to go with Black Sunday from Jeff. Taxi that takes me will be moving so quickly. My suitcase is simply too full for the closing. A fancy and kisses all packed in a hurry. Two best-selling paperbacks, clothes and a grand I don't know that song. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to admit, but uh, cool. I mean, I think Jethro Tull is always good. They, they certainly had a number of recognized albums in the 80s. This is not one I'm familiar with. Um, Jeff, are you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I am. And, and I mean, there's a whole lot of... Uh, I mean, the, the thing... Nick, do you know why it's called A? No, I don't, actually. Well, the reason it's called A is because it was originally called oh, Anderson. Yes. Because it started life as yes. an Ian Anderson solo album, mm. um, hence why different drummer, different bass player than what had gone before. But then um, Martin Barr um, kind of came in, and you know, but it, it was originally put together as 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 an Ian Anderson album with people like Eddie Jobson and and various others um, guesting on it. And yeah, but I mean, it 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 set them in a in a completely different direction from. Um, you know the 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 folkier side of things, and uh, you know it's it's a really it's a really good album, and that is you know one of the best songs on it. So I have absolutely think it's a yeah a worthy choice for here. We've taken a turn. All right, nice one, nice one, Nick. Um, Victor, what do you have for the next pick? Um, I think I'm going to go back uh, as Kyle had brought up in uh, in his first pick with uh Queensryche and uh kind of hats off to uh the 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 roots of uh of prog metal and I had mentioned Fate's Warning so I'm going to go with uh with Fate's Warning as once again very influential in the prog metal scene of the 90s namely uh the influence that they had uh on artists like Dream Theater and um in in I had a couple of songs in mind to pick from them I ultimately went with this one because it features the lineup that, in my opinion, is 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 the quote proggiest lineup. Um, the song that I pick is from the album Perfect Symmetry, and uh, the significance there, as far as the musicians, it's uh, you have Mark Zonder's first album with Perfect Symmetry, and that's why it has a, a different type of uh, different type of vibe than their older albums were their older albums were a little bit more of metal um they did have some very epic music um you know for example i know that uh in a podcast in the past uh, shout out to cal graves who's going to enjoy this uh kyle had mentioned mm-hmm. uh, the ivory gate of dreams which is a you know a 20 plus minute epic song it's got eight parts to it and you know they were doing that before anybody else was in that genre which was which was really unique, but with perfect symmetry, the song that I'm picking is, uh, it's a, it's an eight minute Epic. It's the last one. It's called nothing left to say by Jim Mateos, who, you know, just really started to establish himself as, you know, an Epic 
songwriter. Uh, and he did a great job with that one. Again, just a, just some really dynamic uh, playing. You know, you have some uh, you know, moments where it climaxes and, and it's just uh, terrific. The, the whole album has a different feel to it, but I think that that is what represents uh, the, uh, the, the, metal, uh, the metal prog genre very well as far as the influence that it had on, uh, on later bands. Absolutely, absolutely worthy choice. Uh, it was. Uh, it yep. was on my list. That was oh, my well, next was, choice. Ah, so it wasn't on my next choice. It was on my list. Yeah, yeah. It's an epic. All right. Yeah. yeah. See, that makes me feel better. I thought. I thought I was going to get another Roy. Oh, man. Let's Google that. No, no, yeah. no, <laughs> no, no, not with, not with that one. No, no, you needed to have fate's just for you me. Need to have fate's warning yeah. in here. I just, and... I, I had a tougher time picking a single song from Fate's because they, at this, up to this point, they really didn't have, a, you know, a, a quote hit. They didn't, they weren't on the radio all that much. This was stuff that we passed on to each other through tapes and things like that. So, well, the the era for me really for Fate's warning starts with Parallels, but in the, but correct. But yes, Perfect Symmetry totally is 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 the beginning of their more progressive and per, and sound. And Perfect Symmetry and, was their most successful um, album, uh, and I think of the first six or seven albums. Am I not mistaken? Uh, am I right about that? Uh, well, the well, well, of the first five, I right. mean, Parallels is the one that broke them open, but, which uh, came right after. I, I have a voice in my head with, um, which says that Perfect Symmetry sold more than any other album. Maybe, maybe I'm dreaming it. Yeah. No, definitely parallel. Jeff, go ahead and Google yeah. that for us. Um, I th so th to me, this was the obvious choice from that album. Just wait, you know, wait, li is, listen. To uh huh? I'm sorry. Is Nick saying that up to that point it was their best-selling album? Yeah. Or are you saying uh, like I, I can't, like uh, up to that point? Yes. So parallels was their most successful after that. R right. Uh, uh, yeah. After that. Perfect after symmetry. That, uh, uh, yeah. Right. Right. Okay. But I think, as far as I was aware, perfect symmetry was what really broke fates into the the metal scene if you like in, in america yeah 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 so um, uh inter interesting little de detail about that album my, my only gripe with that album is the production it's just not it's not great it's not on the same level as their future releases um i didn't know this until kind of reading researching on this i know that album um but kevin moore was on that album actually on the track uh, at fate's hands so that's kind of a cool little nugget there um all right let's move on Jeff. Okay. Um, which artist is it now? <laughs> Says Victor. Well, okay. I, I think um, actually what you've done up to now has made this quite easy for me. Um, that's, that's what you said last time. Because, this is an echo. But yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it, it's it's been easier because it's allowed me to pick some things that I, that I mightn't have thought I would have had the chance to play. So I'm going to go... Um, and Nick will back me up on this with British band It Bites. Um, and uh, I know there's probably a certain amount of head scratching amongst my American counterparts, but I think they were a, a band who um, 
you know, the, the, the thing about it bites was that they actually were a very successful chart band. They were a band who, who were on the radio from basically their first single, um, calling all the heroes. And they, but their first album was a very, you know, had some very deep moments and Francis Dunnery, um, frontman, singer, guitar player, very heavily influenced by someone like Alan Holdsworth and people like that. And again, keyboard player and drummer and bass player who were all prog influenced, but they wrote really, really good songs. The time when they really stretched out to produce an epic was on their second album and a track called Once Around the World. And that's going to be my pick for this. And it it brings a whole lot of the elements together in terms of 80s music, um, but in a sort of long form type song, um, multi-sections, um, uh, you know, a little bit of an influence of the genesis of this world, but with a kind of a, you know, with very much an 80s feel to it and brilliantly energetic uh, lyrics that are quite funny, um, even some sort of musically humorous parts as well. Um, so I don't know, I, I'm not sure even whether, I'm sure oh, Nick yes. has heard this song. I don't know whether any of the other guys have, have, have heard this well, track before. Well, Jim, or be familiar it's, uh, with you said, you said once yeah. around, once around so, the world, yeah. right? So Jeff, you're, you're, you're talking about, you're talking about my favorite band of the Eddie's here. I've got four, four songs of theirs on my list. Um, so I'm with you all the way here. <laughs> you would have been the one to pick them uh nick that's what surprised me that my number one pick is in fact a, a song from the same album not that song as it happens but you know I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to make this album not all the same bands you know um not necessarily uh, hmm. repetitive but my favorite song from that particular album once around the world is old man and the angel and that was going to be my number one hmm. pick um, but one's got to have in mind the uh, balancing the album out. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but th- they, they're a fantastic band. They're, they're known for the hit Calling All the Heroes. I'm not sure if it was a hit in America, but it certainly was in Europe. But This, this band, to my knowledge, wasn't right. known right. well much in, right. the, in the U.S. Whereas, whereas um, Francis Dunnery yeah. Yeah. keeps a very lofty company. I mean, he was picked by Robert Plant to be his guitarist, his touring guitarist. Um, he's done numerous Genesis tributes and um, in their day, It Bites were a super group in the 80s in Britain at least, at very least and certainly in my book, one of the best bands of the 80s without a doubt. I've got, as I say, I've got four songs of theirs on my list. Um, no, I like having them on here. I mean, I think I think it's, from what I know of the band, having learned about them over the last few years, they seem to be one of the seminal kind of '80s prog bands globally, if not US-wise, and I think it's so, fair so to Jeff, include them. So, Jeff, your, your song choice was "Once Around the World," right? Oh, okay, okay. So was, you prefer yeah. that to "Old Man and the Angel"? And I guess, I guess it's a top. I guess I it's a kind of toss-up between epics. 
It turns out that I do. And you've already had two picks, Nick, so don't, let's not fight over this. And I think the thing that I'll say that, 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 that I would also say in putting that in there is that uh, I suppose respect to bands like Pendragon, Twelfth Night, um, you know, who came out of that of that um you know 1980s um movement you know there were a whole lot of of really strong bands in there it bites probably the most commercially successful of, of them and um yeah this track if is i could just say to the listeners out, out there I think, if, if you're not familiar um, particularly with our, our american listeners please please give this band a listen please there are two incarnations of it the francis dunnery yeah. version as george uh, as jeff has mentioned and then the version much later on, decades later, fronted by uh, John Mitchell. And uh, both incarnations are, are stellar, really, really fabulous music of the highest order. And I really encourage everybody out there to, to go and give them a listen. If you, if, you, if you want to listen to the saddest song ever recorded, in my opinion, go and listen to a song called The Ice Melts Into Water. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep my comments about, about the rest of the rest of their tracks to myself for now but um please give them a listen i promise you america you will not be disappointed hey nick come nick coming from an american uh i if don't answer this if it blows your cover for potentially the last round what would you recommend as far as an album from the mitchell uh incarnation uh well i like the tall ships uh that's one of my favorite albums of all time it's yeah. They did two. They did two. Tall Ships and The Map of the Past. Um, I, I, I love them both. I think The Tall Ships is a classic. I think Map of the Past is, is very good. I know, Roy, that you prefer Map of the Past. Perhaps it's got a more sophisticated... Uh, you know what? Map of the Past, yeah. I went backwards after you know, uh, learn, listening to Frost and Lonely Robot, which has been very recent, and then going back and hearing those It Bites albums with him. It's, I guess, Map of the Past very much sounds like Lonely Robot, really. Yeah. It's it's not it's, far it's from that. It's very much so. John Mitchell. Yeah, well, it's very much John Mitchell. Whereas um, whereas The Tall Ships, I think, is more of a combined effort where Bob Dalton, the drummer, had, had, had more of a role. Um, but they are both amazing albums. Really, really very good. And yeah, it's I, good I, stuff. It's really, it's great stuff. Really um, recommend. All right, so I guess I'm up for the final round, or side three, as it as it we'll call it. Um, okay, so there's a band that I think could be hit or miss on this for some people. I could go with them. I think I'm gonna not, and just see how things play out. Because I just want to throw a curveball into this thing and pick something that is just near and dear to my heart and might be, it's in my top 10 favorite albums of the 80s, probably. And I would argue that it's prog enough for this list. Oh boy. And definitely prog adjacent. And Nick will love me for this pick. Oh, jeez. Um, I'm going to go, I can't look away from Trevor Reeb. I love and you, from his <laughs> solo album. Yeah. And uh, I know you're a huge think, Raven fan, so. Uh, you, it, it, this album came out in, I want to say, 80, I think 89. Uh, yeah. I was obsessed with this record for probably the next two years following it. Um, I, I think it's better. It should have been a yes. It could have been a yes album. It should have been a yes album. Um, I mean, John Anderson is on it for a couple of things. Um, and uh, I just think it's great. There's a lot of long songs on here. There's a couple of cool instrumentals. 
it goes all over the place with this thing. There are a couple of ballad things, but it's all very um, 90125 sounding, really. Um, but this opening track, which is sort of the title track, um, is just an epic, you know, just awesomeness. And his guitar playing on this record is amazing and his singing is amazing. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with that. I, I don't know if a lot of people know this album or not, but they should. It's amazing. And I think it's just a masterpiece record. argue with that no absolutely not and in fact i mean one one of the i think one of the great disappointments for me anyway is that in 30 years since then he apart from a a a, what's a very very good guitar instrumental album he hasn't made um you know another song based solo album and um i I know and i wish he would um, (laughs) at this point who knows what it would sound the soundtrack a lot of film scores soundtracks obviously pay the bills um, but it, but it's kind of uh, yeah. We've always felt that the, the next step on from that album, um, you know, could have been something absolutely incredible. And it's a, it's a really solid album. And it's definitely not prog adjacent. It's, it's, it's definitely has enough to, to fit in here. Yeah, I think that's what I think so too. So good. I'm glad you guys agree. I was worried which, about it. Which song did you pick? A, the, the title track. I can't look away. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the album's called "Can't Look Away," right? And the 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 song yeah. is "I Can't Look Away," but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the uh, something to hold on to. The single was super cool. Minor hit on MTV for a while. Um, Sorrow, right after that, it's a really cool kind of acoustic uh, sort of weird number. Promises, which is just an epic ballad type song. Very bombastic. And um, uh, Sludge, man, you yeah. want to hear some shredding. This is amazing. Um, so yeah, great. Awesome. Uh, Kyle, man, this has been great. I, I one thing that's shocking to me is we have not had a repeat yet, and I yeah. I fully expected that when we talked about doing the '80s that it would be a bunch of repeats. Now I will say that our our track time on this album is a little <laughs> bit shorter than the '70s, way shorter. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder gonna, why. A lot. I the deluxe why. edition of this will be a lot cheaper, I think. So <laughs> we have a couple songs over ten minutes. Uh, well, I think I'm going to kind of throw a fastball, sorry, a fastball down the middle uh, of the plate with this last selection, because I think we've had a lot of really good diversity, and I, and I love that, some that I'm not as familiar with and I need to go back and listen to. But we had Rush, and we had our Moving Pictures selection with YYZ. Great track, and really, what do you pick off Moving Pictures? I, I was saying this in, the, in a little pre-interview. There's probably five tracks, I think, that I could pick off Moving Pictures, but I really think the album of Rush that needs to be picked for a 1980s list is Permanent Waves, uh, which I think in a lot of ways you could say is their best album in some ways. Regardless of where you rank it and their albums, it is the January 1980 release. Okay, So when I think of the album Permanent Waves, I think of the opening track, which is The Spirit of Radio. And I think along with Tom Sawyer, for me, those are the two kind of quintessential Rush tracks. And since we've already had moving pictures, let's go with Permanent Waves. Uh, this is the first kind of marks the first time that they used reggae, which is a style they used, 
you know, and explored further on their other, you know, three albums that followed moving pictures, signals, grace under pressure, obviously influenced by a band that I absolutely love, which is the police. Um, I like the lyrical content. I like that it, it sort of marks the time in a way that it's, you know, Peart is lamenting this change, you know, in FM radio styles, which of course I wasn't alive. I didn't get born until 1984, but as that became more commercial, uh, whereas in the seventies it was less commercial. So I think the lyrics, it just, it kind of marks again, the 1980s for me in a way uh, that this was their first top 20 hit in the UK. I think this is really curious though. Do you know what the single B side was to the spirit of radio? A song off permanent waves, some deep rush trivia. It's actually, nope. It's actually the trees, which is on hemispheres. I think even maybe weirder is the USB side with circumstances, which is also from hemispheres. Isn't that bizarre? Hmm. Why'd they do that? I have no idea. Isn't that weird? That's weird. Yeah, I mean, I think it's part of that is that all all these albums, these classic albums are so close to one another. So I guess they were probably coming off the Hemispheres tour and put those songs on there. So go figure. I have no idea why, but uh, that's the pick. Um, So lots of other Rush songs that could be picked, but I think this one needs to be on here. can't argue with that uh, no argument at all yeah. it would have been weird to not have it on here frankly the, and uh and i think finally we got a rush song that getty lee actually sings and which is which is good for our, for our series <laughs> it probably should be the first song on this cd but yeah, well i was going to say it's the, it could be the opening track um okay nick oh, right. on. okay so you guys have really messed me up here really bad <laughs> I mean, this is what Nick says every time we do picks. Jeff it was and like, Kyle in particular. We, I mean, my, we, my we next, stole Neil Morris. <laughs> my next pick was going to be Free Will from Permanent Waves. Okay. But now, okay. now that would mean three Rush songs on the album. Okay. Uh, then I was thinking about the camera eye, but we've already got one from Moving Pictures. Shout out to Daniel. <laughs> yep. I had that on my list too. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. So yep. so now so now I'm, I'm a bit messed up here. Um so I think we've already got a yes, uh, and I, I would have picked Tempest Fugit from Drama, uh, but I got a feeling that Jeff's probably probably breathing down my neck on that one. So I think I'm going to go off the wall here, Roy. Make make no assumptions of Jeff in fairness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Tell, I'm gonna Drama make, needs to be. I'm going to make an informed uh, but prejudiced choice here i've got a feeling that that all my other picks are going to end up uh chosen again so i'm going to do something a bit unusual here and because we don't have enough long songs (laughs) at all i think i'm going to go with surprisingly enough to myself the turn of a friendly card by the alan parsons project Ah, and i think that that deserves to be on here because it kind of kicked off the decade in 1980 um it's an epic it's long it's got the 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 cred um being alan parsons and it's probably the proggiest thing that that he ever delivered particularly that uh, i don't know if you know the ace of swords part of turn of a friendly card part one um 
the whole thing comes to, I don't know, 16, 17 minutes, something like that. Um, but it really did kick the the decade off with with, with a bang, prog-wise. Um, wonderful vocals from Eric Wolfson, um, all kinds of guest appearances on on this thing. And, and you know, Alan Parsons were were regarded by many as a pop band, the Adam Parsons Project, I should say. But they weren't. They weren't at all. They they, they really had the, the complexity the, of prog, the time signatures, the progressions, the classical chord progressions. So I think I'm, I think I'm going to put this in there. Um, Turn of the Friendly, Friendly Card, part one uh, from the album, The Turn of a Friendly Card by the Alan Parsons Project. Oh, they think it will make That's very cool. You know what? I, I sort of forgot to think about Alan Parsons for this 80s album, but I think they definitely belong here. Um, that's very cool. Very cool. Yep. So, you know, Alan Parsons does the foreword to a book that Jeff sent me as a gift. So thank you, Jeff. Um, I'm sure people know this, but Alan Parsons was a sound engineer on all sorts of amazing music. Dark Side of the Moon. I guess most, most notably Dark Side of the Moon, yeah. And Abbey Road. Abbey Road. It's hard to pick which one of those is more notable, I suppose. Um, pretty, pretty good Crazy. pedigree. Yeah. Same, same, same mixing desk, which uh, when I did my trip to Abbey Road, uh, was able to see, and uh, you weren't allowed to touch them. The Neve I, I console. Did. I, I did. I did. You touched it. What what portion of it did you touch? The just, one, two, three, just four. A, just a little bit. Just a little yeah. touch. Uh, all right, Vic. Cool pick. Nick, I love your insight, man. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank that was you. awesome. Um, well, uh, it's I'm, I, I'm surprised, although not not shocked. This next band is one of my all time favorite bands. Um, you know they 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 really made themselves in the late seventies. So Jeff is gets to rag on me as to hmm. not doing seventies band or what they doing in the eighties. But this particular band, they they picked up a a musician who's one of my all time favorites, and uh, they came up with two albums with this awesome musician. And um, I'm actually going to go with uh, going to go with the second album. The band is Kansas. Power, <laughs> Power is the I first album. It. Oh, sorry, that he recorded, but that's not it. It's 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 from a different album. I'm of course talking about. Great guitarist Steve Morse, whom some people in this panel may not necessarily think that he's prog, although in his own interview, he really doesn't, you know, he doesn't, you know, label himself as prog. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But fair enough. He was in Kansas. And uh, in the second album that he recorded with him, second studio album called In the Spirit of Things, uh, the song that I'm going to pick out of there is Rainmaker. Rainmaker, Rainmaker is just a great epic song that by the time you're done listening to it, there is really no more quintessential prog song. Um, it's it's got you know just great melody lines, 
and it climaxes at the end with a major choir singing. And um, I just think, you know, Kansas, it's not their usual stuff. There's no violin. Um, there's really no, uh, you know, signature Kansas sound with the violin and the little riffs. But there's a whole lot of Steve Morse influence on this song and just how it ends. It's been a favorite of mine since it first came out. And Rainmaker it is. Good choice. Good choice. I mean, I I prefer the Power album for me, but Rainmaker is a killer song, so I can't argue that. Well, but um, Silhouettes in Disguise, I you know that's that's well, one of my favorite song. But... That's one of my favorite songs, and you know it. But it's a shorter song, and uh, and of course you know you know we're not alone anymore. Is you know Steve Morris with Walsh singing over top of it, uh, you know. But it's just I just think Rainmaker fits the 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 prog definition sure. a little bit better no by the way i don't remember did we have kansas on the 70s one yep song for america song for yeah. america song for america right that's right okay uh cool all right man so wow we really i'm i am i'm blown away by the diversity on this this album list i did not expect i mean look we only have one genesis song one yes um, one yes Maybe. song sort of. there there's after after we're crazy. done after we're done with fifteen, I there's got to be some significant honorable mentions be. because no, there, there's there's going to be a major omission at the end of this that I'm I expect to be because I I, yeah. I think I know where Jeff might go, but Same. Jeff, you got to go with drama, man. Tempest <laughs> If you don't let me you, down, if, dude. If anybody thinks they know where I'm going to go, <laughs> we do, I'm sure we don't. No, they no. don't because I'll tell you why. I don't know where I'm going to go. <laughs> wow. Have, have, have so we stomped you? Kyle commented on me writing. Uh, and I I started off with a list of three that were my top three picks. I've been able to get my number one and my number two both in. But my third one was a pick for Marillion. Um, and I, I don't think I'm going to put it in not for any reason other than I'm not sure that so I'm I'm feeling the weight of responsibility of picking the final track on this album and, and I don't I don't actually feel that having two tracks from Marillion in here as great as they are and as much of a fan as they are is actually representative um and I'm struggling because I do literally have 10 songs written down any of which I feel deserve their place on this album um, uh, and I think, yeah, okay, I know what I'm gonna go for. Um, and the re I'm on the edge of my seat over here, man. This is killing me. <laughs> this Great. is terrific suspense. <laughs> oh my gosh! So uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the reason. The reason I'm not. The reason I'm not going to pick something from Yes Drama 
is because we have had an awful lot of music from the very, very start of the 80s. We have had a lot of 1980s tracks. We have had a lot of 1981 tracks. So I want want to kind of try and stretch the breadth of this. Um, and so what I'm going to pick is a yes-ish track. Um, and it has connections to a whole lot of what we've picked. I'm going to pick a track from Anderson Bruford Wakeman Howe. Nice. Which oh, brings oh, in can... Mr. Bruford oh, oh. from the aforementioned King Crimson, which brings in Mr. Levin on bass from the aforementioned King Crimson, and which of course brings in John Anderson plus because he doesn't feature anywhere else on the list. And again, the reason I didn't pick Asia was because, again, that's right at the start of the decade. Um, so I feel that Steve Howe um, should certainly feature on an 80s prog list on account of his contributions to Asia. I also had GTR written down. It was an album that's much wow. maligned, but I, um, you know, it's an album that I absolutely loved at the time. Um, so I'm gonna bring in Brother of Mine from Anderson oh. Bruford Wakeman High, which is an 11 minute, three part um, epic. There we go. It's on Vic's list as well. Um, That's a great uh, closing song for this too. Yeah, it's good. And it's a closer from the close of the decade, from 1989, from this um, you know re- reunion of four fifths of the classic Yes lineup, um, and just uh, it's 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 one of my favorite Yes Yes songs, and um, yeah, I just think it it deserves its place as uh, kind of being a great song and being representative. In the victory, we are heroes, we are dreamers of the victory. Someone told me there are brothers forever in the big sky. Just hear your voice blow the songs of the air. Nothing can come between us. I like that pick. Um, no, that's a great pick. A, su- a sort of surprising one, I think, but but not in, not wrong. Um, <laughs> Thank you. A couple of... <laughs> no, sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Jeff, you're wrong. Expected... No, that's the wrong one. No, no. I, I just expected you to wrong. go misplaced childhood. or <laughs> I, I, I was sure you were going misplaced childhood. But, um, but uh, no, I mean, look, two glaring omissions, which I think I felt like might be hit or miss totally would be momentary lapse of reason something from that yeah um or something from asia but again you could argue those are very not represent they're sort of poppier and they could be left off this album so i can read you my actual the 10 others because i did actually realize it was a list of 11 in fact 12 if jeff gets that were that were jockeying for position here were gtr when the heart rules the mind Marillion Garden Party, Pink Floyd's Sorrow, uh, Yes, Machine Messiah, sorry, not Tempest Fugit, Genesis yeah, Domino. Right, I was going to say Machine Messiah. Asia, yeah. Time Again, um, World Trade, don't know if you guys are familiar yeah. with that, it, but Billy Pretty Sherwood's true, yeah. band, um, Kickoff Track, The Moment Is Here, it's a brilliant track. Um, Dream Theater, When Dream and Day Unite, and I was thinking of it as a closing track as kind of the doorway to the next era and the other one which i'm kind of surprised nobody picked up on 
Um, but I was the, the other one on the list here is Red Rain by Peter Gabriel from So, which I'm sort of surprised we we've got through yeah. 15 tracks and haven't mentioned it. Um, yeah, I didn't have any Peter Gabriel because I just didn't think it was compared to what I thought might be on here. It was it was just going to be proggy enough? I, but I had I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it's, it's surprising. I mean, we I when we first mentioned doing an 80s, I thought there's not enough material, but turns out there's actually more and it was more diverse so interesting yeah that's that's the tricky part is the diversity of what even the bands did from the beginning of the decade to the end of the decade it just really went through a very you know wild swing of styles and of deliveries so it it was yeah it was it was quite it was quite a challenge um i it's one of the proggiest songs that i heard in the 80s was from genesis but it was from the invisible touch album and mm. the the closing track, the Brazilian, uh, which you know, yep. shout out to Daniel. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a great proggy track on probably one of the most non-prog, you know, albums from a prog band. Uh, and we know how successful Invisible Touch was in the in the pop. So, did, yeah. did any yeah. of you think I, that that perhaps Kate Bush might make this list somewhere? Maybe breathing or. <sighs> I, I knew. I, I, I mean, I, I knew s- that none of my American friends would pick it. I'd well, be <laughs> yeah, no. derided right. for picking it. So she shows up on. You know, if you do any sort of research on you know prog artists of the '80s, mm-hmm. I'll just say from my limited perspective, I don't consider her in that light at at all. Um, I you know, but there's there's also a whole like wealth of bands that aren't necessarily American, Canadian, or you know, like let's say British that get left off too, and. And doing there's some great stuff I'm just not as familiar with. Speaking of Canadian, know, so uh, how about how about No Stranger Chapter Eight from Worlds Apart by Saga? That that must have been on a couple of lists, surely. It had to be all over Vic's list. So <laughs> I have. I think I that's have, like the only artist to not make I, a repeat. I have on Saga, this. but after Wait. after you know af, after the Google comment from last one. I, I think there's a few more artists that we should at least Absolutely. say the names of because you know the, depending on how you view progressive, there are some you know some fusion bands that you know I think people when I see them comment on these things that you know we leave out maybe it's just not our style but um, we we've never talked about Frank Zappa on these lists and I think you could you know 70s or more his era but um, had some good output in the 80s Pat Metheny I think is uh, you know important uh, Alan Holdsworth is important during this era. Uh, not necessarily for me. And then I think also progressive music kind of becomes a lot of different things. And so even like a group like Kraftwerk, which is sort of the the beginning of electronica in some ways, is right during this era. There's also IQ, you know, uh, Voivod. There's there's a few other like bands. I even got into uh, listening to Super Tramp a lot during this period uh, of preparation. So, um, some- Jeff, what about were you considering bands like Palace or, uh, you know, Pendragon or some of, the, some of those other bands that maybe a, a bit more British that we're not as familiar with over Palace, here. I, I mean, I, I, they're, they're not bands that I, that I really know, to be honest. Uh, they're not bands I've really ever followed. Sorry. Let, a, apart from the amazing, there's one European band that I, that I think album. deserves mention seventies, eighties, and even until today, which very often gets overlooked. And that's PFM Premiata Foneria Marconi from Italy. Uh, yeah. You know, they, yeah. they, they did a great album in, in the 80s called uh, Miss Baker. Um, and one of one of the songs of that album, Josephine Baker, ended up on, on my list. Um, phew, you, 
one song I thought for sure would be on here, but Nick went a different way, and I'm not and not criticizing the pick at all. But I thought "Changes" yeah. by so, Yes would so, for sure be on. That this. was that would have been my top pick. That would have been my top pick out of nine hundred one two five. Just the beginning of yeah. it. That's just it's, full on. Prog. It's on my list, but you know you can only do so much. I, I mean, I've got a couple of big generator songs on here as well. I, I think "Final Eyes" maybe is a contender, um, and as a let me re- let me recap let me recap all the songs. So uh, the first round we had Mama from Genesis, Sweet Sister Mary from Queensrÿche, Leave It from Yes, YYZ from Rush, Frame by Frame by King Crimson. Uh, second round was Touch and Go by Emerson Lake and Powell, Marillion uh, with Warm Wet Circles, and the other song That Time of the um, Night. That Time of the Night. Uh, Jethro Tull with Black Sunday. Uh, Fate's Warning, Nothing Left to Say, and It Bites, Once Around the World. In round three, Trevor Raven, uh, can't, I Can't Look Away, Kyle, uh, The Spirit of Radio, uh, and then third was Alan Parsons, Turn of a Friendly Card, Kansas Rainmaker, and uh, Anderson Buford Wakeman to Hell, the brother of mine. Cool. Well, this was fun. I think we'll uh, regroup in a little while and do the 90s, which will be certainly an adventure. Um, and... Probably a lot more metal, I would guess. Who knows? <laughs> it's going to get real metal all of a sudden. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we'll be back with more shenanigans. Got a lot of different podcasts and things coming up soon. So uh, check it out. Go to the website. Watch the uh, concert again about a dozen more times if you can. We need to get those numbers up. All right. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys. Great. We'll talk to you again. Great stay, stuff. Safe. Bye, stay safe. Stay safe and healthy. Safe.